ever thought about why people act the way they do? Why are some people more difficult to deal with, while others are always pleasant? Let's find out together. Welcome to Human Behavior. What a trip. Your host is Dr. Jonathan Brower. Our program combines expert guests with people just like you who have questions or comments. We'll have fun exploring human behavior. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jonathan Brower. Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Jonathan Brower. The name of my show is Human Behavior, What a Trip. And we have a wonderful trip today. Our guest today is Georgiana Donadio. PhD, and uh, she's a relationship, a relationship expert in many ways. Um, she points out that the holidays are upon us, and let's face it, when family gets together, it's often more stressful than jolly. How can we avoid controversy and meltdowns and really change a dysfunctional family dynamic? She's the best-selling author and behavior expert. She um, likes to uh, help people get to the point where they can have a good time even though they may have some conflicts going on at the same time. So uh, welcome to the show, Georgiana Donadio. Thank you so much, Dr. Brower. really appreciate the invitation and delighted to be just talking about this just before Thanksgiving. Yes, what a coincidence. And uh, if it's okay with you, we'll just go by our first names, okay? Okay. Georgiana and Jonathan. So uh, why don't you give us an overview of what you want to talk about today and and uh, let people know what they're in for. Well, I think what most people want to talk about uh, around this time of the year is that the holidays means they're going to inevitably take a trip uh, to a destination which, for the most, most part, is going to involve relatives or family or relationships that in the past may have been difficult or painful. I would yeah. say that for, you know, most of us, we have this idea that, well, this year it's going to be different, you know, and I'm I'm going to go back there and it's going to be pleasant or I'm not going to get into an argument with my sister or my father or my brother or my mother. And what happens is we, we're very, you know, clear that, you know, we've been doing a lot of work. We may have been meditating or exercising or, you know, doing some really self-improvement work, and we feel good and we feel centered and, you know, we feel a lot more conscious and aware, and so we're not going to fall into those old patterns because we know how upset we are when we do. Unfortunately, what happens is that even though we have this very strong conscious desire uh, not to have something happen or to make something better. What most of us are not really aware of is what's going on. Like, why do we have these kind of conflicts during the holidays with our families? What causes family conflicts? Where do they come from? Why do they happen so easily and so frequently? Yes. Uh, the book, Changing Behavior, talks about, in the first chapter, all about understanding how we develop neurologically, psychologically, physiologically, and how we become the people that we are. And this takes place in the womb before we're even born. And so Changing Behavior talks a lot about understanding the neurology, understanding that there's a part of our brain called the limbic system that is profoundly impacted during the first, uh, you know, zero to five years of our lives and that 
this part of our brain, the limbic system, is the most remarkable part because it's really our survival adaptation part. Our emotions are actually survival adaptation responses. What many of us fail to understand is that we are conditioned. We're very strongly prepared from the time that we're conceived until we become adult people. We're conditioned to have certain survival adaptation responses, and we call these things emotions. Yes, very important emotions. So when we go home or when we encounter any kind of difficult situation where there is an imprint or a memory in our brain and in the parts of our brain that really control how we behave and respond, what happens is, is that there is no intellectual thinking, there is no thought pattern, there is no way to prevent that emotional um, discharge or reaction because emotions are far more powerful than any thought or any kind of uh, psychological, you know, preparation or uh, determination that we can make in our lives. Does that mean that we're slaves to our emotions? Well, interestingly enough, uh, what we do know is that, yes, emotions really do rule the day. However, when we come to understand the neurology and the psychology of how we can interact with another person and transform that conflict, we can then emotionally have the kind of ability, skills, and tools to change relationships that are suffering to relationships that are thriving. Yes. So um, included in all this, I would add uh, a part of this would be attachment bonds and how attachment bond ruptures occur and mess people up. Well, the whole attachment, uh, there's yeah. the whole attachment theory, of course, and then yes. there's um, the... Um, you know, internal family systems that Dr. Dick Schwartz began. Yes. What we know is that attachment, whether it's in animals or in humans, as human beings, as living things, all living things require uh, that we have other living things to relate to. And part of it has to do with survival as well. I mean, it's a pretty frightening thing that as human beings, we may be one of the only creations or creatures that, are aware all the time that our life is coming to an end at some point. Yes. So the whole idea that we are not going to be here forever, that our lives, you know, are kind of at any moment on the line, one of the ways that we seek comfort is through attachment and through relationships and through connection. So I think that what we all know, we all intuitively know this, we all really have a sense of how strongly important relationships are to us. But until we realize that relationships are not only preferable, but they are a, a human imperative, only yes. until we realize that can we really make the commitment to learning how to create wonderful relationships. And what percentage would, if you could guess, what percentage of human beings have the ability to do that? 
Well, interestingly enough, I think that what is happening as of late, and I don't yes. know how you feel about this as a professional, but what I'm noticing in the society and in the world that I live in is people are becoming a lot more aware of just how important their relationships are. Why? Because when we don't have good relationships, we suffer physically from disease, from depression, yes from loneliness, it may involve alcoholism, it may involve obesity, it may involve all kinds of problems. We also suffer uh, professionally people who are lonely or uh, who are, you know, really isolated from other people. Uh, They do not thrive as well as those who are not. Now, one fascinating thing, whenever you hear about some terrible tragedy like a shooting or a massacre, you know, these terrible things that go on, it's the comment about the perpetrator is always the same thing. He or she was a loner. They, you know, they stayed by themselves. They weren't, they were isolated. They weren't connected to other people. We know the cruelest thing you can do to a human being is put them in uh, solitary confinement or isolation. Yes. So our relationships really start to take on a powerful, powerful meaning in our lives when we understand just how important they are. Yes. And interestingly enough, um, well, probably all mammals have the ability for relationships. They, the, the human beings may be different in some ways, but uh, they all have it to some degree. And then, of course, there are people who are very, um, uh, very, very much a loner, but they'll have a dog and they'll love the dog. So they can love the dog, but they can't the people. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up, Jonathan, because um, I published a, 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 an article for the Huffington Post. I write for them, and uh, one of the posts that I did was about pets. And yes. what's fascinating, and in the book Changing Behavior, there's a whole section about relationships with plants and relationships with pets. What is happening, and uh, a number of years ago, uh, we were presenting some research at the Harvard Institutes of Medicine about what is going on with animals and humans. Yes. What's going on with animals and humans is that we are spending upward to $60 billion a year feeding our animals, and we're just talking cats and dogs, feeding our animals, buying them medicine, over-the-counter toys, over-the-counter, you know, materials and and, uh, vitamins, and $60 billion more than than the the gross national uh, budgets of all but 64 nations in the world. It absolutely blows your mind that human beings have gotten to the place of such disconnection with one another that we are dressing up our dogs and our cats for Halloween and we're leaving our legacy and we're leaving our money to animals and we are shunning very often our own relatives and our own uh, families and children. So this is an incredibly important uh, topic yes. because relationships, if it's with a plant, a garden, if it's with an animal, it doesn't matter. We need relationships and more so than ever. Yes. Well, I, my, I confess I have two golden doodles. They're great dogs. And uh, I don't, they don't wear costumes, but they're, they're, they're very, they're very important to me. However, hypothetically, if my two dogs were in a burning building and there was one or more humans in the burning building, I'd have to try to save the human beings first. 
even well, though I don't love them. They, they're strangers, and I love my dogs. So, I mean, I think I'm I'm pretty much in the correct zone there, although other people might disagree. But, exactly. Uh, exactly. I mean, it sounds like you're in the healthy zone. But I yeah. do want to share with you that it's gotten to the point where um, dogs, uh, we now have, there are hotels for dogs. I know. Uh, there are dogs that are, they actually, 250,000 testicular implants for dogs that had been altered. Oh and this is to help their self-esteem. I mean, I could go on and on. The, yeah. the unbelievable amount of money and the unbelievable treatment of animals. Not that uh, I'm a, an animal lover. I have a dog. Yeah. I have horses and sheep and llamas and goats and you know on the farm that I live on. We love animals, but there reaches a point where you have to say, "What is this a symptom of? Yeah. What is all of this telling us as human beings about our inability to have communication and relationship with other human beings?" Yes. I agree. Now, I must say that uh, I find it hard that someone can, a human being, can have a love relationship with plants. But uh, that's just more extreme than the pet. Oh, well, I want to tell you, uh, plants, there's a wonderful book. Uh, in in the book, uh, Changing Behavior, there's a, um, a doctor from up at Harvard. She did this amazing study. And her study was about in nursing homes. Yes. They took plants and they gave these plants to different patients and then they didn't give other uh, patients plants but uh, they put them in the room and the nurses took care of the plants so they had one control group that was taking care of the plants and one control group that they were just sitting there but they weren't caring for them and it was absolutely fabulous to see and this was a Harvard study, and it, it's been published, and it's available. It was amazing to see the the decrease of loneliness and depression in the group that was allowed or encouraged to take care of the plant, because the plant, you know, plants are living things, and yes. they have feelings. There was even a fascinating um, article about how how plants were brought in to testify at a murder trial. <laughs> it was really interesting. Some people, I know, I'm sure many of your listeners have heard of this, yeah. where the plants were the witnesses to the person being murdered, and they hooked, they hooked the uh, plants up to these electrodes and things, and when the suspect was brought in, the plants actually reacted to the suspect. But uh, the thing of it is, is plants are living, breathing uh, things, and so there are many people, especially uh, you know people who are very sensitive to living things, yes. who feel that plants uh, have you know just like animals that they are spirit beings and and that they're very precious. And uh, I myself feel I feel that way myself too. I think plants are uh, are wonderful. Uh, I I don't think they're on the same order as humans, and maybe not even the same order as as uh, animals. But yes. uh, the point is that they are living. And breathing things. Yes, well, I, I think plants may have feelings, but I don't think plants have emotions. Well, hard to know, Doc. Yes, I, that's right. But we, but we love to anthropomorphize and give uh, human qualities to all kinds of things, including rocks at times. Um, uh, before we before I forget, would you like to tell people how they can find your book, Changing Behavior? Oh, sure. Changing Behavior can be found on Amazon.com. Just okay. type in Changing Behavior. The whole title is 
immediately transform your relationships with easy-to-learn, proven communication skills. But if you just type in changing behavior and either my first or last name, Georgiana or Donatio, uh, it will come right up. And... Um, I'm happy to uh, to share with you that the book has been very well received. It's received two awards. It's been a bestseller now for a year, and it's been a top-rated book. So people seem to feel that having these skills and tools is something that, especially at this time in our culture, uh, that this is something they really are getting a lot of value out of because it puts us... What happens is when you have skills and tools like this, it puts us, you, me, in control of the outcomes of our behavior within a relational dialogue. So rather than going into the relationship scared and nervous and anxious and wondering what the outcome is, when we have these steps and we have these skills and we have these tools, suddenly what happens is we are no longer um, at the whim, so to speak, of how everything turns out. We're actually uh, very much addressing our behavior, which affects how everything turns out. Yes. So um, Thanksgiving is coming upon us in a couple of weeks. And as you point out, people are going to be moving uh, around the city or the state or the nation being with people that they they supposedly love, maybe they do love them, but they also have these unresolved conflicts. And uh, sometimes people want to avoid talking about these things. Sometimes people are willing to talk about it. I, I'm for the latter, about you know, willing to talk about things. But um, what I'd like to hear from you before we have our first break pretty soon, um, for you to start talking about how you would want to be able to uh, give some ideas to people how they could have a good Thanksgiving, a good Christmas, good Hanukkah with people that they love or theoretically love and uh, how they can perhaps have a better time than usual. Absolutely. Would you like to wait until after the break or do you want me to just start at this point? Well, actually, I think it's about time for the break. Okay. Here we go, yeah. We'll be back soon. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. Legal Shield. Total access. Everyone deserves legal protection. With Legal Shield, everyone can access it, no matter how traumatic or trivial. Check out players.buildinglastingsuccess.com and jjbrower.com. Call Jonathan at 805-535-5111. DefeatAnxietyNow.com is geared to help people suffering with anxiety and depression. Intensive, short-term, dynamic psychotherapy helps many people get to the absolute core of their problems and resolve them. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. Interested in investing in real estate, leveraging other people's money? Call Jonathan Brower and he can give you some more information. 805-535-5111. That's 805-535-5111. SportsPsychologySociology.com can help you improve your ability to excel and enjoy your athletic endeavors. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're 
listening to Human Behavior, What a Trip, with Dr. Jonathan Brower. If you have a question or comment for the show this week, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to jbrowerphd at yahoo.com. Now, back to Human Behavior, What a Trip. Hi, everybody. Back to Human Behavior, What a Trip. And um, I'd like to give you a phone number again. It's in case you want to call in and make a question or make or make a statement. And that number is uh, 866-477-5792. <coughs> so um, call in if you want. So, Georgiana, we're back to uh, uh, families and friends getting together for um, – uh, Thanksgiving, Hanukkah, Christmas, New Year's, what would you suggest they do to make the best of the whole thing? Well, the first thing we have to do is identify why. Why do we feel badly about certain relationships and families? Where do the conflicts come from? The first thing is we have to recognize that we may be concerned or afraid or upset or you know not too happy about interacting with certain people because of deep smoldering resentment, wounds, or hostility. Yes, and that, that's never a one-way uh, street. So before we go back, we have to first start with the idea that we recognize that we are angry, we're hurt, we're upset, we may be uh, wounded, we may be bitter, uh, we may be hostile. We have to come to identify what is my intention for entering into a conversation with that person. And sometimes it's because we want to put them in their place, and sometimes it's because we want to show off, and sometimes it's because we want to get in their face and let them know what a jerk they are or how much they hurt us. It's very important, or sometimes we even want to win their love. We even want to change their mind about us. But it's very important that we start off with the recognition is, why am I feeling the way I am? Because once we do that, once we identify, this is why I'm feeling the way I am, we can then make a decision. Do we want to have the intention of changing that changing the outcome, the usual outcome of this exchange in this relationship, or do we have the intention of redirecting that relationship by the way we're going to behave? So that is the first primary thing. You know, there's an old expression, uh, I'm sure many of your, your listeners will recognize this, would you rather be loved or be right? Would you rather be loved or would you rather win? And so the whole idea is before we head home and get on the, you know, Thanksgiving is the most traveled time of the year. Yes. What is it that we want? What is our vision? I always ask the, my patients when I'm working with them, what is your vision for how you see the outcome of this encounter? And it's very important that we identify that vision. Because if we don't have that vision, we cannot go and create the behavior that is going to help facilitate that outcome. So number one, know what you want out of the encounter. If what you want out of the encounter is uh, not a win-win situation, 
I would say expect the same old, same old. If you're going to go back into, or I'm going to go back into that situation, and, you know, I, I'm still, you know, pretty, you know, peeved about what happened to me, or I'm still angry at my mother, or bitter with my brother or my sister, and, and I'm going back in there without facing that and identifying what I want to be different, nothing's going to change. Yeah, well, a lot of people have trouble identifying what they want and also what's in their unconscious that they're wanting to hold back on. Right, and so the big question yeah. is, what is your what is your desire? What is your vision? So the first thing I would say to the listeners, identify what is your vision. What do you want out of this holiday season? And if you want it to be positive and to be an improvement, then I'll be happy to share with you the steps for doing that. So once we identify what we want, what our vision is, what our intention is, the first thing we have to do is recognize that when we are finally in that one-to-one encounter with that other person, and even if it's not a one-to-one, even if it's in a group situation, the first thing that we need to do in order to transform our behavior is we have to become comfortable we have to be physically comfortable in order for us not to be distracted. So if you're going to engage into a conversation with your cousin who uh, you've, you know, really disdained for a number of years, you want to be sure that you're not, you know, pressed up against the wall or squished in somewhere where you're physically uncomfortable or, you know, standing up when you really want to be sitting down. You want to find a comfortable physical place to be so that you are not distracted. Distraction is the number one cause of poor communication. So we want to be attending, we want to be paying attention to what we're doing. We don't want to be sitting there with closed body language, arms crossed, legs crossed, playing with our hair, playing with our eyeglasses, scratching, playing with our watch or our bracelets. We want to be physically comfortable and we want to be paying attention. We want to be looking softly, consistent, soft eye contact. We know a great deal about eye contact. Scientifically, eye contact, again, the the optic nerves run alongside the limbic brain, which is the emotional uh, portion of the brain, those emotions that we talked about, the survival adaptation responses. The optic nerve runs alongside the limbic system, and everything is communicated through the eyes and the muscles around the eyes and the face. That expression, the eyes are the windows of the soul, is absolutely true. Yeah. Because everything that's going on in that limbic brain is being subtly communicated through the eye contact. Yeah. Now, there there's different cultures where eye contacts are are highly prized and other places where they're, they're very much avoided. So, stereotypically, at least... Um, in Asian cultures, it's uh, not uh, okay to be having contact with people eye to eye, especially people who aren't, uh, let's say, your children or something. And that's because it represents intimacy. So yes. intimacy, uh, it can be taboo in other cultures, but in American culture, Yes. Eye contact is absolutely critical. Now, eye contact stimulates oxytocin, which is the trust hormone. 
and it's the love hormone. And when you're making soft, non-judgmental eye contact with another person, and you're not looking away, and you're not checking to see who else came in the door, and you're not checking your watch, <clears throat> excuse me, to see what time it is, what you're communicating to that person is, I value you. I care about what you're saying to me. I'm paying attention to you. You know, when we fall in love, we none of us have any problem with the notion that we can go out with our loved one and we are staring, looking, not staring, but looking into their eyes and, you know, we, we, we yes. uh, you know, sustain eye contact and we know all about eye contact at that point because we're trying to become intimate. We're trying to get to know each other. But when it comes to day-to-day communication, we become a little uncomfortable with realizing that the same messages that that soft, sustained attention is being given uh, is, is a wonderful and important and a transforming message that is missing from most of our communications. Yes, that's a big problem. As a matter of fact, in the book, Changing Behavior, there's a uh, reference to a study, uh, another Harvard study. that uh, We're in Boston here, so we, we, we're always working with the, uh, the Harvard studies, so that's why uh, I mention that, because it's uh, wonderful to have uh, you know, that kind of depth of research. And one of the uh, studies showed that this is amazing. 50% of the time, 90% of us are not paying attention. To ourselves or the other person. We're not paying attention to the other person, that's for sure. And a lot of us aren't even paying attention to ourselves. So what I know, that's mean? a huge problem. This means that what is going on, and I'm sure you might have read about this, that the whole notion of personality disorder and narcissism and self-absorption has become so commonplace that it is now being declassified as a personality disorder. Yes. We are so absorbed and so wrapped up in our own needs and our own feelings because we're not getting those needs met in the world we live in, especially in the uh, city, the urban areas in America. Yeah. That's kind of um, frightening. Isn't that frightening? I think it is. (laughs) Yeah. So um, something that's that's curious for me is uh, let's say uh, there's a birth Mother gives uh, birth to a child, and one or both of them are blind. What do they do? How do they how do they compensate for not having good connection with the eyeballs? Well, that that's easy. I mean, uh, vision, by the way, uh, yes. for you know anyone who doesn't have it, uh, vision is a really important survival adaptation, uh, survival uh, need, uh, tool for us to. Uh, you know, be able to survive and, and adapt. However, that doesn't mean that blind people do not have other senses that they can equally use to communicate with one another. The touch, the voice, the feel. Yeah. There are so many things that, that we are not even paying attention to that are deeply communicative. The way a person touches you, the way, the, the, the way a person speaks to you, the way yes. a person uh, feels their energy, just uh, the way that they express themselves. All of these things are profoundly uh, telling and are profoundly communicative. So uh, what always has amazed me, uh, Jonathan, is uh, Helen Keller. Here was a deaf, yes. 
dumb, as they used to use the expression, yes. deaf, dumb, and blind person, who did and said the most profound things. How did she have so much communication? How did she understand? Because we are, we are nonverbal. I mean, there are many different debates about it, but the, the most popular number is 93% of all uh, communication is nonverbal. Yes. 93% is nonverbal. So yes. what does that mean? That means that we are very uh, energetically and vibrationally attuned to one another. Or, or, or attuned in some ways more than others. But ideally, all the different ways, uh, uh, eye contact, uh, skin contact, voice, all those could be used to make everything much nicer and softer and sweeter and more loving. Absolutely. There's no question about it. Um, the uh, changing behavior addresses, um, shall we say, uh, you might want to say day-to-day relationships. When you get into intimate relationships, mother, child, uh, you know, spouses, partners, uh, when you get into more intimate relationships, of course, there are many more um, means of communication that can be employed. But as far as just, you know, speaking uh, with someone, uh, sitting down to have a conversation with a coworker or a family member or a distant, rel- a distant relative or something along those lines, the whole point of it is that we have uh, many different things, and that's why one of the steps is watching your body language. Yes. What is your body language doing? What is your energy doing when you shake your leg and you're playing with your hair and, and you know, your, your energy is saying to this person, I'm anxious, I want to get out of here. What is, what is your body language saying to the person when you uh, close yourself off and lean back and you lean away from them or you lean very far forward and you're acting um, in a more aggressive way? So there are many components to... Um, to the uh, model that uh, changing behavior is all about. And all of these, all of these uh, sensory motor communication skills come into play. That's why we have sensory motor skills, is to assist us in navigating our environment and sustaining our, um, our life and our ability to be whole and to be healthy. Yes. So we're coming up for another break. We'll be back in about... 60 minutes or so. Here comes the music. Real Life Solutions. Voice America Health and Wellness. Legal Shield. Total access. Everyone deserves legal protection. With Legal Shield, everyone can access it, no matter how traumatic or trivial. Check out players.buildinglastingsuccess.com and jjbrower.com. Call Jonathan at 805-535-5111. DefeatAnxietyNow.com is geared to help people suffering with anxiety and depression. Intensive, short-term, dynamic psychotherapy helps many people get to the absolute core of their problems and resolve them. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. Interested in investing in real estate, leveraging other people's money? Call Jonathan Brower and he can give you some more information. 805-535-5111. That's 805-535-5111. 
SportsPsychologySociology.com can help you improve your ability to excel and enjoy your athletic endeavors. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Listening to Human Behavior, What a Trip with Dr. Jonathan Brower. If you have a question or comment for the show this week, please call in to 1 866 472 5792. That's toll free 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to jbrowerphd at yahoo.com. Now, back to Human Behavior, What a Trip. Hello, all you human behavior, what a trip, people. Welcome to the show and continuing to be on the show. My guest today is Georgiana Donadio, and uh, we're talking about basically uh, relationships, the science of how things change, and so forth. So, um, Georgiana, you you wanted to do a recap of what we've done so far, and then we'll go on to the next thing. Sure. I thought what we might want to do is just go over the steps. So if somebody's out there taking notes, they certainly okay, can uh, can check them. The Good. first thing we want to be aware of is we want to be aware of what it is that we want. What do we want out of the exchange or the encounter? So we want to talk about our vision. We want to talk about our intention to ourselves. And be clear. Do we want the person to forgive us? Do we want the person, um, you know, to negotiate with us? What is it that we're looking for? Because that's important to know. Um, yes. Step the next step is to physically remove ourselves from distraction. We want to pay attention. We want to be present to that person. If we're in a room where a clock is ticking or a phone is ringing, we get away from that. We disconnect our cell phone. Uh, we get into a quiet place where we can sit comfortably, physically comfortably, and we can be with that person. We call it behavioral engagement, B-E, to be with someone in a way uh-huh. that is meaningful and respectful and present. So yes. after we identify all of these things and we're physically comfortable uh, and, uh, you know, we are paying attention, we, we also want to be mindful of what we're communicating with our body, what we're communicating with our behavior. Are we sitting there calmly in a kind of centered way, in a receptive way? Are we receptive or are we... Arms are crossed, legs are crossed. We've already, you know, made up our mind uh, as to, you know, uh, what we're defending ourselves against or what it is that we're not happy about. And it's, it's important for people to understand that unconsciously everything that we're, unless we're trained not to do this or unless we're a really good poker player, everything that we're feeling is going to be expressed through our facial muscles very subtly, through our eyes very subtly. All of the things that we've been talking about, the sensory motor communication, it's all being communicated. We've all experienced it. We know when we look in someone's eyes and they love us or we look in someone's eyes and we know it's over, that, you know, this relationship is done. We must really uh, understand that, we can't get away with anything in a real communication. We can't be sitting there thinking judgmental thoughts or critical thoughts or manipulative thoughts or what am I going to say next kind of thoughts. 
and it's not going to in some way be communicated. And that's a very important thing, uh, to be clear, to be very clear that what you're bringing to this conversation is going to be known one way or the other. Um, the other thing is, the, of course, the non-judgmental, soft, consistent eye contact. When somebody softly, without judgment, looks at you, uh, it's a remarkable feeling. I, when we did one of the pilot studies we did at one of the uh, hospitals up here, it was a five-year study, and the feedback that we got from the patients on this was no one had ever listened to them in their lifetime like that. They felt that that person was actually looking at them and seeing them. That person was actually listening to them. That person actually valued what they had to say. And most of us, if we go through our day, you know, check out when do you really feel that somebody's listening to you, really looking and seeing you, and somebody's really valuing you. We live in a culture, our American culture today is, is really quite unhealthy on many levels, but one of the big levels is communication. I had mentioned to you, Jonathan, that our organization, we do a lot of work with um, hospitals and leadership teams and uh, organizations, and what happens is we get calls because the culture at that particular office sometimes gets so toxic that the the uh, you know executives don't know what to do about it, so they'll call something in like this so that people can get reconnected to the idea of what it means to relate to another human being, and that's a sad comment that we've come to that place in our culture, which goes back to the animal discussion that we had earlier. Yeah, well, two things. One, you know, when people say they don't want to be judged, we we can judge people in a positive way or a negative way. Usually it's used in a, in a negative way, like, you know, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not, I shouldn't be judgmental, but we're judgmental all the time. And uh, we should just be aware of it either way, whether it's a pro or a con. And we also cannot not communicate. So no matter what we're doing, we're communicating. So as an example, um, some um, man who's 25, he's... Uh, he saw his father once or twice when he was an infant. Then the father went away. He never had contact with the father. And he says, well, I, have no, I, have, I don't communicate with my father. That's not true. They're both not communicating with each other. <laughs> so um, it gets more complicated than people think. Well, I think the important thing is, look, if we're – judgment implies that – judgment is all about value. If you judge something, you're, you're – you're comparing it to a certain gradient of what is valuable. And pro or con to some degree. It, that, well, it doesn't matter either way. We yeah. can celebrate really wonderful aspects of people's lives and achievements without judging it, and we can also um, make judgments about people mentally that we don't even realize as we're sitting there that they're picking it up. They're picking it up and more. Spacing out, but we know about it. It can be, it can be one of four situations. Well, what's what's important in terms of changing behavior, in terms of the steps in the book, it's about looking at when you want to have a successful win-win outcome in a conversation. One of the things 
that you avoid doing is that you do not sit there having this dialogue going through your brain consciously that you are, oh, I hate the dress she's wearing. Oh, I wish she'd shut up. Oh, my God, look at that accent. Gee, they've got lettuce in their teeth. When we're sitting there, we are creating images. We're creating messages that our unconscious mind is communicating, and it's yeah. communicating it in ways that we're not even aware of it. So, yeah, has to, yeah. you know, if we say, want, to, yeah. want to make these positive changes, we yeah. have to be aware of the science. And there's a big science that I want to talk about, but you wanted to say something. Well, I was going to say that uh, for me, ideally. Uh, if I was at a um, gathering with a bunch of people and we're having a dinner feast kind of thing, it'd be fantastic if all of us could be there together, all speaking in ways in which we want to be heard and understood, and, and nobody gets put down. That would be wonderful, but that's very unlikely. So I think what you're implying is from any of these gatherings, it would be two or three people go off for a while and be in another room, and they deal with what they want to deal with rather than be with you know, the 25 people at the table. Well, that is certainly one option, but the other option is is if you are there with uh, 10 or 5 or 6 or 8 people and yeah. you know that you want to communicate a win-win and a positive uh, relationship with a person, you can be doing that in the midst of a crowd. You can, yes. be, do you can be doing that individually. You can be doing that with groups. You can be doing that. Um, you know, in, in small groups or in large groups. The whole idea is that what we bring, what we're bringing into that experience, what we're yes. walking into that communication with, that's what's important because whether it's a large group, a small group, or by ourselves, we're going to communicate that to somebody. Yes. And hopefully everyone could join in and, and uh, be proactive about how they want to get closer with people. That would be the ideal. Well, I want to share something exciting with you, that okay. in the studies that we've done, and we've done quite a few pilot studies and uh, trial studies on this very model, uh -huh. uh, what we have found is that what the most wonderful thing is that when people start to treat each other like this, the culture changes. Uh-huh. And that's why we do the organizational and leadership work that we do. When you have this kind of respectful healing and transforming presence in your environment, people are very drawn to it. And not only are they drawn to it, but they begin to emulate it. Yes. So what's important about this very uh, simplistic, easy to learn, and very proven method of communication is that it's positive, it's transformative, and it's life-sustaining. There's nothing negative about any of this. It's about everyone can participate, can understand it, can learn it, and can reflect it. Now, there's a big piece of science here that I want to share with the uh, listeners because I know they're going to be as excited about this as I am, is that we have discovered and identified in these studies that there is an important moment in the conversation when people's brains have what we call brain overlap. That's okay, I want you to hold that thought. We're going to take one last break. Great. And then we're going to come back to brain overlap. Overlap, okay. Okay, so hang on, everybody. Sure.
a healthy dialogue for your lifestyle. Voice America Health & Wellness. Legal Shield. Total access. Everyone deserves legal protection. With Legal Shield, everyone can access it, no matter how traumatic or trivial. Check out players.buildinglastingsuccess.com and jjbrower.com. Call Jonathan at 805-535-5111. DefeatAnxietyNow.com is geared to help people suffering with anxiety and depression. Intensive, short-term, dynamic psychotherapy helps many people get to the absolute core of their problems and resolve them. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. Interested in investing in real estate, leveraging other people's money? Call Jonathan Brower and he can give you some more information. 805-535-5111. That's 805-535-5111. SportsPsychologySociology.com can help you improve your ability to excel and enjoy your athletic endeavors. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Human Behavior, What a Trip with Dr. Jonathan Brower. If you have a question or comment for the show this week, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to jbrowerphd at yahoo.com. Now, back to Human Behavior, What a Trip. Hi, everybody. We're coming into the last quarter, a little less than quarter of the hour. Uh, I'm with my guest, Georgiana Donadio, and she's going to talk to us about science and how things change. And in particular, she's going to talk about brain overlap. So go right ahead, Georgiana. Okay. Well, I just want to say that I'm sure all of you can hear how wildly excited I am about this work. Um, I personally have been doing the research uh, along with the others for 32 years on this model, and I cannot begin to tell you the excitement of discovering one of the elements. I mean, there could be many, but this is one of the elements that we discovered of what it is that shifts behavior. Now, there's... um there's a gentleman, uh, his name is B.J. Fogg. He's out of Stanford University in California. And B.J. runs this wonderful behavior uh, clinic and laboratory. And what he says is that there are three things that are needed for change. One of them is motivation. Uh, the other one is the ability to be able to... Um, uh, to be able to do something. In other words, you have to have the ability to make a change in order to do it. And um, the third aspect that is really important is uh, intention. So we have to understand that when for people to change, there kind of has to be a, a readiness uh, or a strong motivation within them to change. So let's say two people are sitting down and they're talking about divorce, and the strong motivation is uh, the married marital partners don't want to break up. This could be a very strong motivation. Now, when you couple this kind of preparation with the uh, neurological setup in the brain for discovery, 
Now you have some real potential for sustainable change. And this could be about weight loss. This could be about uh, exercise. This could be about money. It could be about any kind of addictive behavior. And this is what happens. We have uh, beta uh, brain waves. And beta brain waves are, they're very rapid brain waves. We're talking right now in beta. Uh, you know, you're probably listening to this in beta. And if we go down a little bit, if we start to sink down to another level in our brain function, our more, more or less our intuitive or partially unconscious brain function, we start to go into the alpha state. The alpha state and the beta state, we know them very well because a perfect example is if you're driving in a car and you're going to a place you've gone a hundred times before and you've got something on your mind and you're sitting in that car and you're thinking about the party you're planning or the project at work or what you're going to do about your kid or whatever it is and you suddenly realize that you're there. You got to your destination and you don't remember getting there. You go, I didn't pass the Dunkin' Donuts. Wait a second, I didn't stop for my coffee. I mean, how did I get here? That is what we call a brain overlap. That is when you have one part of the brain, the cortical brain, that's dealing with the sensory brain or the limbic unconscious brain. You have two different parts of your brain that are functioning at the same time. Now, why is this important? Because when we realize that our beliefs, our values, and the worldview that we have is made up of our feelings and are stronger than our thinking brain, what we come to realize is that in order to make a change, in order to shift our behavior, there has to be a movement, an understanding, and an integration in what we think, like I want to lose weight, and how we feel, I'm ready to lose weight. So when we're having a conversation with someone, and we're softly looking into their eyes, and we're not jiggling, and we're not distracted, and we're being present to them, and we're calm, and we're comfortable, and we are creating this wonderful physiology, this wonderful neurology of trust and comfort, it's also opening up the brain centers so that the alpha-beta brain function is now starting to integrate itself. And if in between sentences, in between statements, we remain silent for three or four seconds and we sustain soft, non-judgmental eye contact, that individual has what is commonly called, can have, I should say, what is commonly called the aha moment. That is when one part of the brain and the other part of the brain actually click and integrate and come together. Now, we've all had that. Every one of us has had an aha moment. It's like, wow, I get it. I organically get it. I own this. I understand this. This is real for me now. This, this is something that, you know, I, I can wrap myself around. So when we're having conversations with people, especially if we're talking about love and intimacy and family and conflict, and we are present to someone in this very mindful, respectful, peaceful, calm, non-judgmental way with sustained soft eye contact and then the respectful 
silence between the sentences or the statements so that they have an opportunity to integrate that. It is a profoundly wonderful thing to watch. Um, I've been teaching for many, many years, and if you're a teacher and you're listening to this, you know the moment when you look at your student and it's like, wow, the light bulb goes off. That's when the brain overlap occurs. So what I'm sharing with you, these are steps that have been proven over 32 years in clinical environments that if you follow these steps just the way they're designed, they will scientifically, they will neurologically, psychologically, emotionally, physically, intuitively, they will transform the outcomes of your communications with people. And we're doing a lot of work with okay. leadership teams now because leadership teams often are about trying to persuade people and we're showing leadership teams that you cannot persuade people, that you can present and that you can facilitate changes that people want to make, but you really can't make someone change unless there is preparedness and readiness for them to do so. All right. So we have about 90 seconds left. Uh, tell people about your Changing Behavior Workshop. We have a Changing Behavior Workshop. It's four weeks, four videos. It's uh, uh, four teleconference calls. It's for leaders. It's for people in uh, all kinds of work and corporate and hospital and uh, educational facilities. It's $197. It's really quite exciting. We, we love doing it, and it's very transformative. You can find out more about Changing Behavior by going to changingbehavior.org, and uh, uh, you can email us or you can contact us, and we would love to share this in a, in a more in-depth way with you if this is something that you'd like to do to change and transform your relationships. Okay, good. That's good to know. So we have about 45 seconds. Um, anything you want to say to... Well, the first thing I would like to say is I wish everybody a happy holiday. And uh, I just want to share very quickly, I had published the book, and two weeks uh, later I found out that my mother was dying, and I went back to New York. Um, Uh I had not been connected to certain people in my family for a very long time. And I knew that my mother didn't die until I finished publishing that book and finished writing it, so that I would have that so embedded in my soul that when I went back home, my husband said to me, he said it was just amazing to see the transformation in the relationships. And he said, I blame it on the book. (laughs) I see. Okay, well, it sounds like you enjoy your work very much. I do. I love it. It's wonderful. It's a wonderful yeah. thing to uh, to work with purpose and to work with integrity and to know that what you're doing is really sharing good things with humanity. So I feel very privileged and very yes. privileged and, and grateful that you invited me on the show. So thank you so much, Jonathan. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much for being part of the show today. So this is it, folks, everybody. It's time to say goodbye. Thank you again for listening today. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for Human Behavior, What a Trip with Dr. Jonathan Brower on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have fun experiencing your human behavior.